Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of the people who've been listening to this podcast, you know, in the past few weeks or in the past few months or in the past few years, whatever, thanks for listening. Hope you've been enjoying the conversations and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Today on the show, we got my friends Rachel and Billy from the band Little Good Bad. We're going to be getting to that conversation in a moment. But before we do that, I just want... I just want to let everyone out there know that you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at The Real Sykes. I also have a website that is just therealsykes.com. There's all kinds of stuff on there. Artwork, vlogs, blogs, news, blah, 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 and links to all the podcast episodes. Uh, There is a Start the Beak. Start the Beak. Start the Beak, my bird podcast, coming soon. There is a Start the Beat Facebook page, which you can find if you just go to your search bar and type in Start the Beat. And last but certainly not least, Start the Beat is part of the Epicast family, which you can learn all about at epicastnetwork.com. And that's it for my things. So let's learn a little bit about Little Good Bad. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! Sweet. Check, check, I don't feel like getting back up, so we're just gonna cool. Just gonna roll with it. Sweet. So awesome. happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Sun, Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Sunday fun day. We're sitting in my room. I don't know. I don't like calling it a studio. It's not quite a studio. But it kind of is. There's recording equipment in here. It's good vibes in here. How do do you feel about when people are like, I have a studio and it's just like a computer in a room? It's legit. You think it's legit? And I guess in modern day, that's all you really need, right? Just a place where you work. Hell, my studio could be the roof somewhere if I've got my unit with power (laughs) and I can connect up some mics and stuff. What's the difference? Yeah, Yeah, I kind of feel like everything is just what you make of it. I've heard like... Songs on the radio, like producers and mixing engineers saying they mixed it in their bedroom. So that's their studio. Some phenomenal oh, yeah. <laughs> stuff. The bedroom DJs, what those people yeah. are doing with music, they're changing the game. Well, you know, if you feel you like know? it's your studio, by all means. It's definitely yeah. crazy, especially with technology that's continuously advancing and just how easy it is to have really good sounding equipment and make a really good sounding recording. I've been recording since Windows 98. 
So, yes. you know, it was a struggle then. <laughs> I actually still record on a Windows 98 operating system, by the way. What software were you using? Yeah, I was going to ask that too. I still rec- mainly record. It's well, the I computer on the Cubase. right. That's no, Magix. that's that's uh, Magix in Windows 98. What, what my, software did you right. use? Magix. It's called Magix. Oh, yeah, it's it's, on, I've been using the same software since I started recording. Hey, I mean, I still, I mean, obviously it. the podcast now we're recording it on the Mac in Adobe Audition. But uh, that computer, which is like my main music recording computer, uh-huh. uh, there's two different computers there. So the Windows 98 one has never touched the internet or anything, and there's nothing on it but the recording it's software. Like a virgin and just like plugins computer. and stuff. Oh, that's yeah, cool. it's completely pure and everything. It runs great. It's, hey, yeah, it's a workhorse. Why mess with it? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have no idea what it is, but if you've ever heard anything I've recorded, it's been on that computer. That's pretty cool. So it works. I think your recordings are great, so that's awesome. I mean, Thanks. That's saying a lot. Again, like, you know, using an old console or something, it really, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. You know, you know audio's audio. Again, kind of also going back to what I say a lot when people are trying to get into things, you don't need a lot. A lot of people will be like, well, I have this old laptop and it doesn't work all that well. And it's just like, I'm using Windows 98. You know. <laughs> you could work around it. Clean it up. You know? No, no yeah. excuses. And sometimes, sometimes I feel like you have to learn that the hard way. Like we thought we needed a bunch of things. We thought we needed to go into the studio. We bought studio time. You know, it's like 75, 100 bucks an hour. And then we realized, you know, what? we actually need to go back to the drawing board and just get better at what we do. And then when we record, it'll sound better even if we don't have access to all this expensive, nice stuff. Absolutely. (laughs) Depends a lot on your timeline, I think. Sometimes you can't afford to write in the studio and drop, you know thousands of dollars right. to spend a month on a record you but you want to record what you're doing so it's a wiser investment to just buy a dope preamp and compressor and record your own gear while you're writing yeah Maybe you get your final takes in that process if you have right. the the intuition and the willingness to learn it's definitely worth it uh Great. i always try to push people to do as much pre-production stuff as possible. Sometimes you need to go to a studio, like with Grey Walker. We have to record live drums with that. We just don't have the capability to record drums on our own. But we're going to track the guitars and everything ourselves and then go reamp them somewhere in a studio, just doing as much as we can on our own. Absolutely. It saves money, it saves time, and just being more in control of your art. There's nothing worse than working with a producer that couldn't give a shit less about what you're doing. Like, you're just... An hourly rate, you know, you need to like find somebody that is interested in what you're doing and yeah. who's more interested than yourself. For sure. I think that goes for anything, even beyond just producers working with people. A team and building a team about, in general. Yeah. Finding those types of people that fit yeah. the description you I mean, just if gave. You can find it's a, everything. If you can find a producer that is into what you're doing, then yeah. Producer, take advantage of it for yeah. sure. Or a manager who can end up networking, finding the right producer and, for you. Yeah. Or, you know, people in general who just help you build what you're doing with their expertise because you don't always have they're only 24 hours in a day that's yeah. all I'm mm-hmm. saying so you need people who get you like you're saying and like you said with time like it ends up being so much back and forth that so much time is kind of wasted when if you were to take the initiative and learn how to do it yourself it could have been faster yeah and I think that I spent a lot of time I don't like to say I wasted a lot of time I understand a negative that. part of me is like I wasted a right. lot of time we all have learning that. <laughs> all this stuff so I try <laughs> to sure. tell people when uh younger friends that I have or even, not even necessarily younger age wise but just younger and getting into yeah doing anything creative on a quote professional level mm-hmm. you know try to instill the knowledge that I have now that I wish I had 10 years ago for sure 
it sucks. Like all I was doing 10 years ago was I just want to record music and then I finished an album. Cool. I guess I'll start working on the next one. Right. I'm not like, oh, let's let's talk about marketing. Right. <laughs> it wasn't me then. Right. I understand. And now, That's for all of us, I think. Now my brain <laughs> is so opposite that the thing I probably think about the least now is actually recording and writing the damn songs. I spend so much more time <laughs> thinking about promoting and marketing and just the hustle for sure it's it's difficult to find that balance too because it's such yeah. a different part of your brain and then to keep the inspiration and the writing and everything going and not let that side of things i guess taint it or um it's i, I find it challenging to find that balance but it's important yeah it's a relatable dilemma for mm-hmm. sure as an artist any artist the, yeah. these days you know the benefits and the you know the pros and cons of what the internet has opened up in terms of making things harder and easier and more saturated. And mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, the, the problem that I see with the internet isn't so much how saturated it is in terms of the amount of artists that are on it. But to me, it's just how numbing it is to the consumer, mm-hmm. you know, an option paralysis situation where they're just scrolling through all this stuff watch one of your friends go through an instagram feed yeah they're just like bleep, 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 until they see like a blur of something that's recognizable yes and then like they look at it for a second and then it's gone yep. bleep, 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 scroll 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 mm-hmm. so it's how do you work with that i've been going out of my way personally just to talk to more people in real life and I think not that's, focus so much on the social media stuff. Yeah. But I still do stuff on it every day. It's yeah. Like, I always have posts scheduled and things, but I just don't rely on it because it's For sure. I think not. both are really important. I mean, personally for me, nothing is better than like a personal connection and an interaction with a person. Like so much you can get just from, you know, speaking with someone and to learn about people and the back and forth. Um But I mean, social media is obviously important too. And I guess I just try and ask myself, like, what makes me pay attention? What's interesting to me? And and think about, you know, like who's listening to our music, our friends and our family and fans and like what would what would make them stop and look and listen? At the end of the day, though, I'm more likely to do something or participate in something if someone tells me, a friend tells me personally, like you're saying, from an interaction rather than seeing a Facebook post. Sometimes, rarely, though, I find out about something on, you know, Facebook invite or something online, and then I'll say, I should go to that. But usually it's someone saying, hey, have you heard of this? Or It definitely helps if somebody invites you out, for sure. Yeah. Grassroots. Well, I think the other big thing with social media is, like, they say it takes, like, five times for you to see something to like uh i guess recognize it i thought it was three dang it's up to five now that makes sense I guess maybe it's, it's actually probably like ever changing. while we're going it's eight but the point nine, is it's more than things. once so the more someone Sometimes. sees you even if it is just scrolling the more likely then when their friend tells you like to check out sykes or little good bad or whatever the more likely they are to go and see it if they've heard it a couple of times or seen it you know totally so speaking of that we should probably introduce our oh, guests. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm. I've been really, really bad at this recently, where you just get into conversations and then 15 minutes later, like, oh, nobody knows who we're talking to. So, who are you? Who are you, people? In who my house? are we? That's a loaded question. <laughs> well, the short answer is we are a little good, bad. I'm Rachel, and I'm Billy. 
And our third member is in Philly, which rhymes with Billy. <laughs> and his name is Dan. <laughs> Songwriters, hashtag. Yeah. Din um, Winwood. Yeah, so Din Winwood's not here today, unfortunately. But there's three members and we are Little Good Bad. What kind of music do you do? We make pop music. Uh, again, the short answer to that. Um, how mm-hmm. else would you describe it, Billy? Um, it's it's electronic uh, pop music. We, we would say that similar artists are like, you know, 21 Pilots. Uh, we're trying to bridge the gap sort of between 21 Pilots and Chainsmokers. We like Imagine Dragons. We like what sure. other types of Robin bands? from Robin's Sweden. Robin's a big influence. Is, um, Robin's awesome. She's I always, my favorite artist. I always happy when people name drop Robin. She's I brilliant. think she yeah. is such an individual, so ahead of her time. She's my favorite artist. She's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, I think um, something that's kind of interesting about our group is just that the three of us come from a really unique musical background. Billy's like a punk from rocker. We're just different within our group. You know, normally a band is comprised of people that are like-minded in their musical tastes, and that's why they kind of mesh together. Often you might have the opposite, you know, where different tastes come together. For us, it's like very opposite backgrounds, punk rock and more like heavier rock stuff on my side. Rachel's more soul jazz. Motown. Motown. Pop. Groove music. Yeah. And Din is straight up EDM, like dubstep, like hardcore dubstep stuff. And he came from that heavy electronic scene. And now we've convinced him to work in our like pop form, you know, for songwriting. And so he's adding his electronic elements and production techniques. And together we're making some, you know, fun music with that. Well, no, I think that's cool because you have the... You know that that pop foundation that it's under that umbrella, but then you have that that little bit of a grit to it that gives it that like pop rock, modern pop rock now, True. like Imagine Dragons, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. with that little splash of soul, it keeps it from getting too aggressive. Yeah, and it makes a nice little yeah. stew. And that's kind of that's where the name <laughs> comes from too, because it's like we kind of need. A little bit of everything. Um, sometimes like you need the positive and the negatives to make a battery work and just make a lot of things work. So it's kind of what we're about, like the creating unity and I guess chaos and in our differences. I think we're in a really interesting time in popular music right now because it seems like we're going through this transition that seems to happen every decade where nobody really knows 100% what they like. <laughs> so you're getting all of this real crazy multi-genre stuff that's becoming popular. Mm-hmm. It's not just one thing yeah like i think it's f- really fucking fascinating that a band <laughs> like 21 pilots is as big as they are for sure because they're they're genreless yes. if you look yeah. them up on wikipedia and i've done this <laughs> it says rock right? it, no it, they're an american music duo that's what it says on wikipedia interesting and then underneath the side genres it has like alternative hip-hop yeah. pop rock and like you yeah. know like a, a dozen things mm-hmm. yeah but in their like biography description they're an American music duo. Yeah. And I was like, that's great. Yeah, that's cool. But it's so cool that a band like that, you know, is selling out stadiums. Like a bit, they're a big fucking deal. They're huge. Yeah, they're huge. You know? huge. And they're huge. They're and they're genre-less. so unique. They're and it's just really interesting to me. But I don't feel like it's that unique to me because I feel like I've been hearing bands like 21 Pilots for the past decade. Mm-hmm. But for some reason it took they've even been around but for not almost on a pop decade. Radio. Exactly. That's yeah. the thing. It took so long to hear music like that become right mainstream. And I remember when I was first hearing their stuff, I was like, it's really weird hearing this on the radio yeah. and then seeing that they, you know, sold out console or whatever. Yeah. And just like, what? Yeah. Like there's this many people that like this weird 
mesh of music, but yeah. it's just the time we're living in. I was just going to say timing is, is uh, has so much to do with how music is received, especially when it comes to like pop radio and what's going on in the world and with uh, trends and all that. I think it's more about the marketing. I think it has to do with the salesman in this particular case, the singer for 21 Pilots, uh, really understanding his audience and his fan base and making it relevant. Totally. You know, I'm not saying that... They, I, mean, I think it's because they have like a really yeah. good aesthetic and a package that's very marketable. Yes, for sure. And yes. that's it seems you know as if the the visual aspect is almost as important, if not more important, than the yeah. the audio. Yeah, the and then, to when connect. they do their shows, are fucking shows. It's yeah. not just like oh, come watch our band play. It's right. like come to a fucking show. Yeah, exactly. for sure. Well, I think too. Um, you know, a part of like people being ready for it and why I feel like timing is a part of it is I think we're kind of entering this new chapter as far as uh, what people like content wise, like what people are talking about, where it's kind of okay to talk about like mental health and being depressed and just like a little bit of like deeper issues and not just kind of like the standard like love songs or just like, I guess, surface level conversations. Totally. So it's like more popular to like have a little bit more substance right now and to talk about the ups and the downs as yeah, opposed I to have, just the highs. I have noticed like more, I guess we could say quote, darker things becoming more yeah. in mainstream pop music. And yeah. Another thing I've noticed becoming a lot more popular is swearing. There's a yeah. lot more swearing in pop music. Like that's interesting. Even if like you think about stuff like uh Melanie Martinez or Lana Del Rey, mm-hmm. uh, those like pop female acts that yeah. are like mm. have the like kind of like cute like innocent but bad girl yeah. or have like a nice song and like yeah. I'm saying fuck in the yeah. chorus and it's like becoming a thing. A lot of people do it. I especially do notice with with female artists more female artists swearing and and. I guess that's a thing. Yeah, fuck and it. And back to the <laughs> uh, the uh, say the the genrelessness. Mm. That's the worst word I could have picked. Gets but the point. The hodgepodge us. that is Twenty One Pilots. Yeah, I think caters to the way people's attention spans is now. Going back to the Instagram thing and people flipping For through sure. Twenty One Pilot songs just kind of hop on yeah. all these different platforms throughout one piece of music that I think is like there's something there for everyone rather than it just being like a 100% pop song. Yeah. There's a whole mix. And the whole single world and not really being an album uh, time is also, I feel like a part of that. Um, I guess it's kind of the same conversation of what you just said of the scrolling and like not listening to the same thing for too long. It's yeah to get on, to get on topic of little good, bad, (laughs) And what you're doing, you did release a single uh, a couple weeks ago, right? No Regrets is yeah. the name of the song. It's a good song. Thank you. Good fucking job. It's catchy. Thanks. It's actually like I've been thinking about, you know, the podcast and coming up and then every time it's like, okay, they're going to be on the show. We're going to talk about it. And it gets the no. It's like, <laughs> in my fucking head. So you fucking did it. You that know? makes it's me like, happy. It's nice. there. That's the whole fucking point. It's a yeah. good song. The it's, production's great. Thanks. It's catchy and good theme and all that stuff. But. Yeah. What I was trying to say, singles. I know I talked, I remember I talked to one of you two online about this. I think it was Rachel mm-hmm. about uh, when we were scheduling the podcast. And I was just asking if your plan was to do more of a singles thing versus a, an album thing. And that's what you were telling me the direction was. So let's talk about that some. Yeah. So a single a month. <laughs> we're going to be releasing one single every month for uh, the next year. 
And nice. uh, yeah, we're really excited. Do you have a about lot it. of that material already written or kind of in the works. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We do, oh we have, yeah. <laughs> we uh, spent basically the last six months to almost a year preparing this music and preparing cool. this project. So we, you know, just a little backstory, like in a nutshell, just to kind of get us up to date here. We started working on m- this music together out in Los Angeles, and we started with Rachel's project because she had already developed like a band and people, musicians and songs out there in Los Angeles. So we started putting this stuff together with tracks and figuring out how to use the technology and stuff like that. And then we took that and left Los Angeles and moved here to Pittsburgh about three years ago. And we developed that under the name Rachel B to try and, you know, develop our name, you know, and not just like the name, but our ability as musicians and the whole project as a whole. Because there's a lot involved, you know, you've got lighting as you've seen and stuff like that. And yeah. use projection and stuff. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time to put that content together. The programming of light shows, the syncing of backing tracks, learning to perform your parts. Yeah. So we basically spent a year to six months doing that, recording music and putting together the vocals and content and stuff like that. While we were making our living as musicians as right. well under that name. That, yeah. was, that was the trick, of course. We're trying to figure out how to make a living as full-time musicians. But some gigs, you know, aren't the same, you know, in certain situations you want to represent your band a certain way, right? So we were trying to figure out how to separate our passion project, like what we do, like the music that is us versus music that we're using maybe just to pay the bills. Okay. You know, yeah. So that is yeah. to to clear it up for anybody that may have missed it. I know I've known you two as playing in Rachel B mm-hmm. for a few years now. And then the little good, bad stuff. So that's like you're working on that behind the scenes. And then the Mm. Rachel B stuff was a separate beast for another. It's kind of served another purpose. Yeah. And also the Rachel B stuff is a little bit more um, just from my perspective, whereas little good, bad is from all three of our perspectives. It's a band. Right. That's. Yeah, exactly. And that was sort of the uh, opportunity for me to learn about the technology and how to incorporate real band members with things like tracks and, you know, a production that would eventually become a show like you were talking about. Yeah. An actual show instead of just, hey, watch my band play. Yeah. Um, So that's what we spent that time doing. And now with Little Good Bad, we've combined Din's, you know, brilliant production skills and just he just comes up with these great ideas and I arrange them basically into a song form. Rachel puts lyric and melody to it. And that's sort of our writing process. The, you know, the songs come through different, you know, ways, but it always kind of falls into that category of like Din adding his ideas, me arranging it into a form, together us picking a song form with lyrics. And then we have a song from there. And then sometimes we'll put the production to the song. Like sometimes I'll write on piano. And and the production will be built around that. It's probably a combination of the two. Yeah, that every, every song is a yeah. different, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. For um, sure. So, but yeah, we're really excited about the music we're going to be putting out. We're putting out a single a month. Uh, people can get a free download on our website, and then it's on Apple Music and Spotify and all that, too. Yeah. Um, so we're releasing our next single on September 25th, which is coming up like mm-hmm. two weeks from tomorrow. Yep. Um, and a music video to follow that, too, which we're really excited about. Yeah, it's going to be cool. So that's nice. Yeah. So all this stuff is stocking up. And yeah. How has the response been from the first one? Yeah. From No Regrets? I think the response uh, as a whole to like the new project has been really great. And I think it's because we have a much better sense of who we are from the start uh, mm-hmm. with this project. Whereas, 
I mean, I've been performing as Rachel B and writing songs as Rachel B for, for a long time, having really no clue like who I was and kind of like finding that out while I was doing it and while I was putting stuff out there. Whereas this project, um, we have a better grasp um, individually and collectively as to who we are. So because of that, I think the response has been great. For the project and the song, because the song was sort of the release of the project. We we released the two at the same time. So the song was sort of saying, hey, this is Little Good Bad and kind of like an idea of what we sound like. Mm -hmm. And so with that, both things being released simultaneously, we've gotten a good response from that. Uh, Had a great release show at Diesel, which was our first show in Pittsburgh. And uh, that was just really cool to see people out there and have a an opportunity to play our music first of all in Pittsburgh but at a venue we never played at before and Diesel just has great sound as you know because you played there yeah. probably a bunch of times Yeah, and I think the sound and the visuals there are great and we got some really good video content yeah it's that a really cool place for you know a band like Little Good Bad to play for sure um, I'm in a place now where um, I'm not talking about it too much publicly uh, anybody that's listening to this can know, though. Um, <laughs> I'm in the middle of completely rebranding Sykes and a New Violence. Cool. Interesting. Um, it's not going to be Sykes and a New Violence anymore. Yeah. Um, the new music that we're doing. I mean, it's still kind of what we were doing, but it's a lot different. And there's a bunch of new people that are playing in the band. Yeah. Cool. So it just doesn't feel the same. For sure. But I'm doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff now with getting the songs together, getting a new live show together and yep. lighting and neat whole kinds of, you know, outfits and like you know i want to make a fucking spectacle Hell yeah, and i dude. wanted to i want to but the thing i was gonna get the point oh uh, you think i know how to fucking talk yeah i'm with you i'm following we're in the a similar position that, <laughs> the place i'm trying to get to is a place where i'm only i want to show so big that i can only play big cool venues mm-hmm. you know i'm Absolutely. like at this point now where i'm over playing like Nothing against any of the little festivals that I've played yeah, and things like that. But it's just like these like pop-up festivals where like you have one PA speaker in the middle of a room that normally doesn't have live bands. Like it's fun. Mm-hmm. But I always feel like my show is shortchanged because of it. Absolutely. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And like for what Little Good Bad's doing and what I do with – I'll still call it Sykes for now. I'm not going to name drop the new name. But cool. um, Look, Looking yeah. forward to it though when uh, it comes up. You know, you need like a huge sound and I want it to look big. Absolutely. There's nothing that like makes electronic music seem like more of a joke than whenever you have like a shitty sound system because mm-hmm. people that don't get it are going to be like, what is this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And I hate that. Yeah. You have to have control of your sound. That's why we bought a subwoofer and our own sound system and we bring it to every show. Oh, really? So that just in case. I've like, I've like always thought about doing that, but I've just never taken the plunge. It's, we have it's it, so we, worth it. I mean, we, Billy's yeah. the one who carries it, so <laughs> it's easier for me to say, but I mean, just you got to have it. It's all about that bass. It's all it, about that yeah. sub. Totally, um, yeah. But the sound system too, and, and what we, I feel kind of good about this idea of sort of clever is that we've started using the sound system as a prop on stage. So it looks, when you set them up a certain way, it looks kind of like a large boombox or something on stage and Rachel uses that as her stage prop that she can stand on and jump off of and, and we use it to change you know dimension or whatnot it's yeah. just an additional prop that's very stable structurally so she can it's safe but if for whatever reason the venue has a bad sound system we'll be like let us just run because our whole setup is a stereo output we just show up to the venue which I'm, you probably have a similar setup with because you use kind of a DJ inspired rig yeah. I'm sure so we basically just show up at the venue and even though we're using mics full drum kit and everything we still just send the booth um, 
just a stereo mix. So we could potentially just send that to our own sound system and hook up really quick, like within 10 minutes, mm-hmm. if we have to. Yeah. And we've had to a few times mm-hmm. where the sound system has not worked. For the reason yeah. that you're saying, I mean, if things, musically speaking, especially if things aren't presented in the right way, you can't um, expect, um, I guess, people to care, or, or you know what I mean? What or understand to, yeah. what you're trying to do. It'd be like, you know, a delicious cookie that was like, like wrapped terribly in like like something that just didn't look appealing. Like you wouldn't want to eat that yeah. cookie, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Mis- misrepresenting analogy, things. But. Well, but misrepresenting things in general. It's yeah. You need to make sure that you're heard the way that you, you know, want to be heard. Yeah. Or else people yeah, won't understand what you're trying to you say. You want to be seen as yeah. well. Yes. Yeah. And I think that um, making it somewhat exclusive too. Even though if you want to play out a shit ton, you just can't. Yeah. Unless, you know, you're playing out a shit ton in different cities. But if, you know, you're trying to operate like regionally and just kind of hone the craft of your show, Mm -hmm. you need to play more than just once every couple months so you can get the shit together. But you don't want to play too much and then it becomes confusing and like complicated. For sure. What is the approach that you're thinking Mm -hmm. for a little good bag? You play one show now. Right. Yeah, we you played even, one show in Pittsburgh. We played. Show. Um, we played a show in Grand Rapids. Okay. Um, was sort of like a test show for Diesel. Oh, was a test show for Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause> we, sorry, because <laughs> we knew that we were going to be videoing it. Okay. Um. So, uh, we had a great show at Founders, which is a really phenomenal craft Rapids. brewery. Yeah. Oh, you, you played you, at Founders. Founders yeah. like the Founders in Grand Rapids, really? Michigan. Yeah. I didn't know they had shows there. Oh it's, my gosh, they should, have an amazing stage and we'll amazing shows Bells there. Has a, Bells does shows too. Bells, Bells does too. They're both spot. fantastic venues. Al- also yeah. Oberon, that's my favorite. <laughs> I, I, I get it. Let's everywhere. not, I will talk your ass off about the Michigan yeah. beer scene right? for fucking We're, three hours. You know I'm yeah. from Michigan. <laughs> that's what's up, dude. I fucking love Michigan. Yeah. Michigan's great. They I know what's dang. up when it comes to beer. <laughs> I'm not from Michigan, but I do really enjoy Michigan. We're actually, yeah. Gray Walker's playing a couple of shows in Michigan in December and I'm really looking forward yeah, to that. I'll have to yeah. take, take a look at your schedule. I still we're, have a lot of people. We're playing, yeah. um, we're playing at the Loft in Lansing, which is yeah. a place okay. we've we played a few Loft. times. It's a cool, cool spot. Cool. And um, we might be playing somewhere in Grand Rapids. We've never played in Grand Rapids before, so I don't know where it'll be. Cool. But that would I've be got cool. a bunch of... Pyramid Scheme, if you can probably get like a, a local act on the bill with you. Well, but our, Founders. Um, a good Book Founders. <laughs> I'm going to look into Founders, but yeah. uh, our friends play in a metal band called Heartsick, and they're from Lansing, and we've toured with them before. So usually when we go out that way, they're the guys that, you know, they set up the shows. And Perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. we definitely have like good local contacts out there and yeah. friends and stuff. That's yeah, what's up, Michigan's man. a great place. It's, it's a beautiful place and lots of cool stuff so, happening, especially with the breweries and stuff. So cool. Yeah. Okay, but anyways, you played at Founders. <laughs> yeah, that was which our is first little awesome. good bad Love show Founders. for the the little good bad show. That, that was our introductory show where we sort of tested everything, and again, just great experience. Then we had our our first show in Pittsburgh at Diesel. Cool, and now and you're playing the, the All Scene Festival. We'll, we'll so that's be your next show. We're actually at well, Thrival's our third show. Oh. Yeah, our third show is at Thrival. Okay, on the 29th. That's Friday. Yeah, um, and yeah. then the next show will be All Scenes on the. I think it's all. October 14th. If that's a Saturday, that's when it is. Yeah, <laughs> when it is. <laughs> Whatever 14th, Saturday. Yeah. I believe it's the 14th. Then, yeah. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to that. And yeah, and our, our, I guess our strategy, if you will, is we're putting out music that we love and that we're proud of and excited about. Um, and then we're putting out a lot of, um, you know, visuals and videos and some behind the scenes stuff on all of our, our social media and everything. We've got the free download. Um, if people, you know, 
want want to get a copy of the single mm-hmm. and then uh we're we're setting up a, a tour schedule you know coming up um we're not going to be playing quite as much in pittsburgh um this year as as i guess we did with rachel yeah, b right playing way less that's another thing about being seen the way that you want to be seen is like you can't overplay your market you know no. you don't want to play too much in a certain place so we're just spreading ourselves out more from where we're playing and playing less in the same areas yeah so that's that's, uh, that's what i want to do too and i just want i'd rather take the time to make a huge spectacle and do that you know once every few months yeah, yeah. absolutely rather than you know four shows in a month absolutely that are all shit and it burns like everyone half. out yeah right you know i yeah. i could spend that time working on a music video for sure yeah. or Which doing something else more, like yeah. super productive yeah. behind the scenes it would be cool yeah. it's just yeah i don't know i like hate saying it and i feel bad for any of my like diy scene friends that have been listening to the podcast because i've been like talking so much shit lately but i just feel like <laughs> i don't know i just feel like the diy scene like after some time is like super toxic in a way because like a lot of people it's like growth almost isn't always encouraged Mm -hmm. but maybe it's just i'm just thinking in a different avenue and i don't think there's anything wrong with like the indie rock band that just wants to have that simple show in a basic space with no Mm -hmm. lights and no bullshit anything like that i guess Mm -hmm. there's a place for that yeah it's just i'm just so i think i'm just mad i'm secretly mad at myself for selling myself short for so long absolutely taking so dang long to be like no i do not belong here i belong there right i gotta make it happen yeah i think as soon as you know that yourself that's when you're ready to move out of it yeah right because if you don't have that self-awareness then you're kind of going to be stuck in that position forever till like what you said you realize that that you don't belong there and then the other thing too is you know maybe you can relate a little bit i mean you're doing more of a a pop quote thing so Mm -hmm. like you have music that is accessible but in terms of finding other bands to play with it might be a little shaky because who else is doing stuff like you're doing and that's i'm in the same boat so i always try to spend i always tried to work my way into other scenes for sure you know the Mm -hmm. weirdo act Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't benefiting me yeah i'm at a point now where it's like well i just need to make my own not necessarily make my own scene just create my own environment so these shows that i'm doing are my thing Mm -hmm. you know this is my show i'm not right this is my hour set i'm not just squeezing in all this stuff into 20 minutes before somebody else's show right right you know, I think Absolutely. there's a, a time and a place for everything. We and like, you know, if, if sometimes at the beginning for people, it's just about getting out there as much as possible. And so for that, the the do it yourself DIY scene is like great, you know. And I think it still ser- serves a purpose in, in certain avenues. But then I think you do get to a a place where um, if you you know are trying to make your living from this and want to make it like your life and not just like a hobby, um, where you do have to like put your foot well, down yeah. and stand for like, I want to be seen in this way and I'm only going to play in the opportunities that allow that. that. That's like a DIY mentality. Yeah. But what I talk about is sort of like the stereotypical, almost like punk rock DIY thing, you know, where there's somehow this blurred line between not like necessarily selling out, but like things not being DIY anymore. Yeah. And it blows my mind. Cause I've had these conversations yeah. with people about like, Oh, like, you know, this band is uh, some label, you know, 
released their album for them. I thought they were a DIY band. And it's like, what are you talking about? It's like, they're still driving themselves to shows and still, (laughs) I think there's nothing wrong with getting help and building a team. It's still DIY. I agree with you. I, I'm not a fan of stuffiness of any kind. Um, I I think there's nothing wrong with being successful. And I don't, you know, the word sellout is is a weird word. I, I, I try not to really judge anybody's path because you just don't know. And at the end of the day, we all have to eat too. And so like, say someone has a, an office job. Are they selling out because they don't like what they're doing? Well, we're all kind of selling out because we have to make compromises and sacrifice in our life, you know, for like the the greater good and picture of what we want in life. And so the, yeah, and the other thing too is like, who are we to say like somebody is selling out? Like if they're if you're happy with whatever you're doing, then it's not whose business is it? It's an individual it's basis. It's fucking really hard to be a I, happy person. There's yeah. a lot of bullshit in the world. Absolutely, I had a conversation argument. A few months ago with somebody that I won't mention, doesn't fucking matter, (laughs) but, you know, it was just kind of like this thing where it's like, you know, Pittsburgh isn't the right city for you, Brian, you're selling yourself short here, blah, 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 blah. Okay, maybe that's true, but like, what else should I do? Mm -hmm. What, What is the alternative? You know, because I have great friends, I have a great job, I have things that I like, I'm in a happy place. Like, what's the end goal? Right. You know, I am, I mean, I'm, I make my, I'm doing what I love and I, I keep a roof over my head. Yeah. So what's the end? Oh, you're settling. It's like, no, I'm not settling. I spent the past decade working towards this to get in this spot because I've been at that point where it's like, you know, like, do I overdraw my bank account to buy groceries for the week? Mm-hmm. I've been, you know, I've been yeah. in like real shitty situations. Like how yeah. am I like selling like a bunch of records and like video games and shit to pay rent and all that dumb shit. Everybody's been there. I've mm-hmm. been there. But yeah. like now I don't have to do that anymore. I'm in like right. a really fortunate position. Mm-hmm. And it's. That you worked hard I for. I do it for myself. You yeah. Oh, you're settling. Like, I don't think that. You. Yeah. You I don't think that's someone that's else's place yeah. to tell you. So, that's really for you to decide. Yeah, that's, I think that's whatever makes you happy. Just fucking do it. If working a desk job makes you happy. Cool. Absolutely. And if just playing basement shows for the rest of your life makes you happy, cool. For sure. But I'm not happy. Right. So I'm going to move on. Yeah. And get mm-hmm. what I want. I, I think mm-hmm. it takes a big person to admit like when they're unhappy and then to do something about it. Like, I think that's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's, it is easy to um, just like get in a rut and um, not push yourself and not put your foot down and not say, you know what? I'm not happy. I need to make changes. But like, for people to like look that fear in the face and like make changes, I applaud and we we try to do that too. You know, that's how we want to be. I want to be that way till I die. It's harder though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I guess the other thing too is it's harder as you know we're getting older and just other yeah. responsibilities and just shit just takes over. Yeah. So Absolutely. Being an adult just... is a real fucking drag. <laughs> Ad- adultism. Yeah. You know, outside of making music what do you two like to do let's have a little casual this conversation got a little heated i'm feeling a little feeling some type of way about some certain people let's let's bring it back so i i i like beer i'm really into food yeah i like movies okay word what what are we all into billy i just saw alien covenant okay pretty good 
I like the series. Uh, smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> um, I, uh, I like bands. One of my ex- most favorite things was going to Onion Maiden and seeing a sleep poster on the wall. Yeah. I flipped out and then Tom Waits was on the radio. So I guess that's more music stuff. It's hard for me to get away from music because yeah. music is life no, for it's me. Important. It's everywhere. <laughs> for sure. It's, but it's also our life. We, we don't do anything but music pretty much all day. We wake up, we record, we practice, we Billy, talk about Billy, you do a lot of like cool shit. He's always building stuff, like weird but innovative, amazing stuff. I think he's like a... Uh, you're like a hands-on, like innovative. What's the word I'm looking for? Not like a carpenter, but junk you're, punk. You're, he's always making shit. <laughs> yeah, making. <laughs> I'm a self-proclaimed junk punk. I actually have a show at Smiling Moose coming up uh, on the 23rd Saturday, doing junk punk stuff. Where I and this is kind of my contribution to the band is like I come up with different ways of using instruments. Uh, for example, like I've built MIDI triggers into my shoes so I can play drums for fairly basic kind of things. But using routing, I can trigger the samples to send, or the trigger to send a signal to multiple destinations so I can trigger, say, a kick drum and a hi-hat or a kick drum and a cymbal with one trigger Yeah, and turn that on and off when I want. And I can go back and forth and essentially do a drum beat. And we can do some of our songs live like that. And I'll play guitar and stomp around. I put a boom box with a subwoofer into a backpack with a lithium battery so it's wireless so I can take that whole walking drum kit I talked about wireless uh-huh. and my next you know plan with that is to set up a wireless setup to send you know um, a transmitter from the backpack to just like a wireless microphone receiver just put that into the board and then you can walk around completely wireless sending audio output from the backpack wherever you are as a centered point and then be completely wireless and send it to the sound system for the whole venue as well, which could be pretty neat. It's a work in progress. Yeah, that makes for a fun a fun yeah. show. But doing stuff like that with Little Good Bad, some like you've probably seen some videos of 21 Pilots, yeah? Yeah, definitely. They do stuff like they take the drum kit and put it up on the audience. Uh-huh. And the audience holds up the drum kit and he plays yeah. beat. This would be kind of similar to that, just like a stomping kind of thing instead of, you know, and get yeah, a platform. I think that, yeah, um, just going back into live shows and just interacting with people it's just something that people aren't doing anymore it just seems i mean obviously they're doing it but i think that there's just more room for it so it's awesome to you know know that that's the direction and the mindset that you have and you're thinking about that shit because a lot of people just aren't Mm -hmm. they just want to play about the audience you know it's like there's so much more to this performance thing than just playing songs. Yeah. You know, a lot of people just drop the ball. I yeah. I think there's kind mm-hmm. of a phase um, that you get to at some point that it sounds like we're both at where like you kind of start making music for yourself, you know, for, for various reasons, whether it's like you're out mostly because it's your outlet of some kind, but then you enter this chapter where it's like you want to make music for other people and you want to put it on a show and it's not just about yourself anymore. And in that it makes you feel good, you know, to put Mm -hmm. on a show and to connect with people, but it becomes more about the creating an experience for people than just making yourself feel good. And in that you feel better. I think, I think that I can agree with that. And also for me, I am definitely writing with, other people in mind though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it 
was definitely more of a natural progression. It wasn't like a I hit rock bottom. Right. It was just this thing where it's like I'm playing shows and it's like I feel bad that I'm swearing so much, mm. <laughs> which is weird because I fucking swear all the time. That's interesting. But I was like, so the the new album that I wrote, there's not one swear word on the whole album. Why did you feel bad? What What do you think the reason was that made you start feeling bad it just about seemed that? Like corny. Interesting. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to swear anymore. And yeah. also I was like getting these opportunities to do different things. You know, I want to be able to not only make a bigger show, mm-hmm. but I want to be able to have a product that's presentable maybe in a situation where I could play something wild and big, like, you know, yeah. some crazy big thing downtown or right. something. You Reach know? a broader audience. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's like I'm doing this cool, like alternative, weird hip hop live band thing. But, you know, it's clean yeah and it's like you know maybe there's some questionable subject matter but i'm not like saying fuck this fuck that and all this Mm -hmm. stuff so right i can like ease my way into a definitely a broader audience and it's just like i don't know from a creative standpoint it made me write more clever Mm -hmm. like i came up with more just material that i'm more proud of for sure um that's cool you know, it was something that started happening, like I said, naturally. And I noticed that I wasn't swearing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that much. So I went back through and like fixed everything else. And now it's cool. I have a clean album. Yeah. I'm and that's, that's the type of thing that I'm doing necessarily for other people. Right. But the sound is still me. Right. But it's maybe more accessible than it has been. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm still doing what I want to do, but definitely thinking about the big picture absolutely and that's not selling out back to our other conversation no. it's just like uh, more I'm not awareness any money. Yeah. <laughs> definitely not selling out but right. it's changing in but some, yeah it, like, but some people would say you know that that not like what you're doing specifically but that concept of making a choice like that would be selling out like what we were previously talking about but it's just like a shift in your awareness and your perspective changing as it does for all of us as we get older and we make different decisions I wonder if there's a different element to selling out, though, looking at, uh, again, a, a band like 21 Pilots. They're my favorite band right now. That's why I'm always okay. talking about mm-hmm. them. Um, and I also admire their story. I'm curious about, you know, the way that they did things. I think they're brilliant. But um, back on topic about uh, selling out, I feel like, you know, their their first album was really interesting. And uh, and their second album, Vessel, was really good. But then Blurry Face, or I guess it's called Blurry Face, yes. I yes. think so. I thought it was phenomenal. But the majority of the production on that album was a guy named Ricky Reed. And we're all about pop songwriting. So we're all about, you know, the Max Martins, the Dr. Luke's and, you know, studying those guys and what they do. And Ricky Reed, if you're familiar, is like the producer right now in like okay. pop music. He does all the stuff that's on Halsey's the top 40 radio, whatever Halsey's doing, whatever anyone who's huge is doing. And he's got the magic touch. I swear to God, it's like, it's pretty amazing. You <laughs> know that any artist they're trying to get onto the top 10 billboard chart for radio play they are going to ricky reed first and all like the two hits from that record blurry face were ricky reed productions right um stressed out and then ride Mm -hmm. and i've seen when they're performing ride it looks like they're not really into it you know what i mean they're like kind of like we didn't produce this this isn't our song this is kind of like a song that they wrote It, it is their song it's just 
they don't seem as enthusiastic about it as yeah. they do about their other material that's more like them and their sound that was more in the original two albums. Mm-hmm. Even though I personally like the newer music a lot more. I'm all about Ricky Reed. I love the production. I love that kind of style. But I can tell that they're not that into it, I feel, or maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but my interpretation of their performance from videos mm-hmm. is that they're not enjoying performing that song ride as much because I don't feel it's as much connected to them. So that might be a degree of selling out, you know, performing music that you don't really care about but that sells, you know, so it's like people expect it at the show. When you're on that, regardless of whatever amount of respect and, you know, uh, credit you want to give to 21 pilots, when you're on that level, your, your brand is not your brand anymore. You're right. It's like you're, it's like your employees working for a company that you founded. It's like somebody else is the boss. Someone else has taken over. In mm-hmm. a weird way, like if you're yeah, exactly. selling out stadiums, trust me, it's like it, they're. I'm sure they have some control, but there's definitely you know. You're right. And all the other thing too is once you start seeing money in a way that I'm sure they are, mm-hmm. that also changes the way your fucking brain works. Yeah, yeah. You get you know used to a certain living of life and certain luxuries, and then it's like okay, well, what do I got to do to keep this? It's an interesting. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine what it's like. Yeah. It's an interesting thought and and it's it's subjective but a lot of you know a lot of times artists will sometimes lose their original fan base like I'll use Maroon 5 as an example their first album I loved I thought yeah. it was amazing it was and now the stuff they're putting out now it isn't personally my oh wow. it's some of the most obnoxious music <laughs> on the planet but, god awful but they're making Fuck a them. lot of fucking money oh, yeah, totally so much money. and and in a way they're I, it'd be interesting to know. I, I imagine that their reach is much larger with the music they're making now than that first album. Totally. Yet most people that I know would say they prefer that first album. So uh, I just think that's an interesting conversation. I think Maroon 5 makes music for people that don't really like music. That sounds like a really good <laughs> like, definition. They make music for people that want to like bob their head to something in a Walmart. Well, there you go. And, 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 well right. <laughs> and you know, and it's on the radio and like people will play it. You know, somebody will be at Walmart. Maybe they'll buy that CD, but those aren't music lovers. That's just, the other thing, too, is music lovers are we're a small demographic of human beings in general. I, I, people who truly would, appreciate I think, it, it, I think it would be really interesting to take a poll and like of everyone and see what people prefer the original maroon album maroon 5 album as to like what they're putting out now because i actually think that it's i actually think that more people would like their first album even those people that are bobbing their head in walmart to it well, i just think its purpose now has become to sell products oh totally yeah, you know, I mean that's the other thing too is you know you make music for commercials, right, and things like that, and it, it blows up, or you you know, and like you're the labels find ways to make their artists profitable. Like if Maroon Five tours, I'm sure they'll sell out wherever they're right. playing, and then sell a million dollars. You know, they'll put their year. music in a commercial, or like you know, they'll get paid uh, for ugh, yeah all that other like licensing. And but shit I think like that. we all have to. Like we all have to eat at the end of the day too, so we all have to make some of those decisions if we yeah. do want to make music no, our career. I have no problem with Maroon Five no, doing any either. of that. No. I just think fucking Adam Levine's vocal melodies are just horrendous. <laughs> now I got fucking Fuck moves like Jagger stuck in my head. Don't get Billy started on Adam Levine. Just like 
<laughs> but it's there. That's the thing too. Is like even if I fucking hate it, it's absolutely. You know, I just fucking hate his goddamn nasally yeah. fucking Thank weird Thank delivery. You. But his, you two are his not his audience. Face and his little fucking nose. Like he's I such love. A, <laughs> yeah, such a you fucking and Billy weirdo. could talk about this he for looks like days. A goddamn I, sex criminal right he does like, he's okay. like the kind of knocks look, on your door like yeah, i'm I not agree. disagreeing with you guys you but i just want to say that i think he's pretty like pretty regularly voted like one of the sexiest men in the world i don't personally oh, yeah. agree but it's just interesting that like you guys say that whereas well you know, i think he probably has like a I mean, he has a great body and some tattoos i like a little more well, I mean, man but his personally face is just weird and we all know he had <laughs> the proactive thing nothing against that <laughs> I remember that yeah I remember, i'm not gonna fuck uh, listen adam if you're i ain't forget nobody forgot <laughs> you know right. you're listening adam <laughs> fuck you dude fuck you <laughs> you were no. so good <laughs> no, but, but, no. I, but going there, i do think there are examples of people that like for example pink I love Pink, you know, and I think that Pink is, you know, she's a mainstream artist that has music on top 40, but I think that her original message is still there and still clear. Totally. And, and she's I don't, awesome. I don't, you know, she might, I think she's probably had to make sacrifices to be where she is and sell out stadiums and things, but the integrity of what she does and what she is and, and who she stands for and everything is still there. And personally, yeah. I, I respect that. And that's what I strive for. You get bands, a lot of people, old fans of Paramore. Yeah. yeah, are not fans of what Paramore Absolutely. does now. The newer yeah. stuff, it's very different. It's but very the different. thing is, Paramore has always been a pop rock band that has just floated on the modern trend. Yeah, you know, in two thousand nine when they released Riot, oh, pop, pop rock was like pop punk forward stuff. Mm -hmm. And now they're still releasing pop rock, but it's all that throwback synth driven type of stuff. Yeah, and they've always been phenomenal at what they do. It's just, it just blows my mind when people are like, they changed. It's like, no, they didn't change. It's just they grew with the music right. and you're still right. living in 2009. Right. And like, that's your yeah. problem, not yeah. their problem. Like the lady today at Giant Eagle who paid with a fucking check. That bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and she made us wait like for an hour. hour. It's the fucking same check. thing. You know, it's like. We all got to move forward. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you too familiar with K Flay at all? I'm not. Yeah. Oh. Blood in um, the cut. Yeah, blood in the cut. Yeah. yeah um I, she is somebody that I've been following for years. Oh cool. Um she came huh. up in the underground hip hop scene was doing like real like almost like like not not subject wise, it's like aggressive as like Odd Future, Tyler the Creator stuff, but like her production was a lot more raw hip hop and she was just flowing, like not really vocal melodies and things like that. But over the years, she's gone more into that, like that pop territory, Straight up still pop making really good music. But then I remember the first time I heard Blood in the Cut, I was like, this song sounds like it was written for a goddamn commercial. Hmm. And then a week later, it's like, hey, this song is, uh, you know, on some like TV show commercial and things like that. And it's yeah. just like, it know, was this is like, th yeah, this is, this is management. <laughs> right. Like, okay, we need to like, what can we do to like mold you into something? And right. now it's like, she's playing a ton of different shows, selling out places, touring constantly, like to the point when like I was following her like, email subscriptions and social yeah. media and stuff. And then it used to be like once every 
few months. Like, here's a thing. Yeah. Here's five or six dates. Now it seems like every other month, like, here's here's a month of dates touring here with these bands, yada, yeah. yada, yada. She was just here for the X-Fest thing a couple weeks ago. She played yeah. X-Fest. And then um, she played Thrival a couple years ago, actually. Cool. Um, but, yeah, just blowing up off of that, finding a way to mold what you're doing into something that is more accessible but yeah. still you. Yep, absolutely. Sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah That's I, cool to see the evolution of, of of artists too, to to be like fans or know them from the beginning and see where it ends up is interesting. Yeah. I think like five years ago, I probably would have been a lot more mad about that Blood <laughs> Me Cut yeah. song just because yeah. I didn't have the the experience yeah. or just the thought. It just hadn't clicked yet, right. you know? Yeah. Right. I was still in that mindset of just... Uh, I don't know. Just yeah. more a more narrow yeah, mindset. Totally. And also just not really knowing who I was or what I wanted yeah. to do. When I first uh, heard like electronic music and like dubstep and stuff, I was like the, the grandmas that you see on YouTube. They're like, turn it off. It's too loud. Is that the devil? <laughs> because I come from like a jazz background, which now I, I shouldn't say this, but there's certain jazz I can't listen to now, you know, that I used to enjoy. And my, my perspective has completely shifted. I really love the innovation of sounds that electronic music brings to the table. And I love that aggression in the, the production, especially with a, with a more vulnerable female voice over it, to me is very captivating and interesting and complex. And my perspective is totally changed. So. I think it's the, the reason why I like electronic music so much is because it allows the introduction of just new possibilities. Not yeah. saying that you can't write a, a new jazz song, but there's still that part of me that's like this this has been done. It's been done. So, Absolutely. I mean, it's fun to do it. I, yep. You know, like maybe going to Greywalker. It's yeah. like we're not adding anything new to the wheel, mm -hmm. but we're all best friends and we fucking love metal. Yeah. So we play and we yeah. have a good, you know, we have a good time when we play. For sure. You know, we're rocks. not trying to reinvent show. the fucking wheel. Yeah. But then when it comes to like psych stuff, I feel like there's an opportunity to do some like real outside the box shit because yeah. mm -hmm. there, there is no box. Yeah. Yeah. When you're working with electronics and yeah. samples and like then if you start adding in live instruments, mm -hmm. you can do fucking whatever. You can really, really write Endless your own rules. Possibilities. Absolutely. That's what I love about it too. Uh, my favorite album of all time. You might not be familiar with this, Rachel, mm -hmm. but Billy, you might be familiar with <laughs> this album. album. Mindless Self Indulgence, Frankenstein <laughs> Girls. I'm not sure if I recognize Frankenstein, Frankenstein Girls. Frankenstein Girls will steam strangely sexy is the name of the album. Okay. It's my favorite album of all time. Wow. Because I haven't it is the album. I heard it. It was 15, you know, uh, in the Monroeville Mall food court, very specifically. <laughs> a friend of mine named Josh had it, had the disc man. He was like, have you ever heard Mindless Self-Indulgence? I was like, no. He's like, you got to hear this. Wow. And like, I just, it blew my brain open oh, wow. because they I mean, you're familiar with them, and they oh, do yeah. like I could I see like, the influence too with you with all the quick glitchy stuff. <laughs> yeah, they and do the like real chaotic electronic punk Some sampling. One of the first, yeah. like it's just this mix of things. It was just it was the most abrasive, insane, fun thing I'd ever heard, and I never heard anything like that. Mm. It was just like you can do this. Yeah. Like it was just yeah. totally just broke rules. And to this day, mm -hmm. I still say it's like the most punk rock experience I've ever had in my lifetime because, you know, there's shit like obviously you think about like fucking the Ramones and uh, or even like 
Motorhead and like all that like metal punk stuff from the seventies, eighties, Black Flag, hardcore. I missed all that stuff. I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't a teenager when that happened. Mm-hmm. So I always felt disconnected from mm-hmm. it. So like my personal moment of seeing something else, like, what the fuck is this? Like these yeah. this band does not give a shit what you think about what they're doing. It yeah. is so true to themselves and this is us. Yeah. Either deal with it or fuck you. Yeah. It's just like it shaped me. That's I can so see that that MSI would be like I'm very, very passionate you. about That's that right. goddamn album. It's completely ridiculous. But it's just on a deeper level, it just like made me really appreciate stuff on a level that you and like now, like I'm getting way too deep into this album, but like they sampled a whole bunch of like old eighties music, like Susie and the Banshees and all this mm-hmm. stuff. That's some of my favorite music now Yeah, mm-hmm. that the first time I heard it growing up, like later I was like, Oh my God, like I know this song, this is from MSI. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, digging back into like the stuff that influenced them. It's all stuff that I found later yeah. that wouldn't have come from, uh, you know, like it's just which is, I think one of the most amazing things about music too, is like, like you remember that experience. It's shaped who you are musically probably as a person. And like that music has the power to do that to me is just incredible. Like we remember these moments and chapters in our life. Like music is like our soundtrack and it's, I mean, it's shaped every aspect of who I am. So I think it's really cool that. Definitely. Do you have, uh, let's, let's do this. <laughs> do you two have an album in particular, maybe an artist that really kind of snapped it for you and blew your brain open? Uh, I know Billy's. What? No, you, you go first. You but one. I know whose ears is. Oh, in terms of artists. Yeah. Tom Waits. Right? Tom, Tom Waits is for me, like the guy who I was, not planning on becoming like a songwriter or a performing musician before I was all about the tech side of things. Okay. And then, um, after rekindling my familiarity with Tom Waits stuff, like basically listening to all of his music chronologically over the course of a month. That, that's, that's, um, that's, that's, it's, it was dense awesome. And a, a roller coaster of emotion. I can tell you that. It was awesome. But, <laughs> yeah. but basically I developed, uh, a lot of my, um, vocal tendencies from trying to imitate Tom Waits, but not being able to sing as low as him. Uh-huh. So I kind of raised it up an octave and it kind of gave me that more aggressive, but higher pitched kind of intensity. Totally. So that's a huge influence on me songwriting and musically. And also in terms of the types of sounds that I look for, because he essentially did real life sampling before it was oh, a thing. Yeah. You know There's what I'm saying? So some really, yeah. really insane, cool stuff that yeah. Tom Waits has done. There's a whole chunk of his catalog that I'm not familiar with, but anytime I do come across a Tom Waits record, I try to get my hands on it so I can listen to yeah, it. And very unique sound. I mean, like years ago, I like downloaded a bunch of this stuff on torrents. I probably mm-hmm. have it all on iTunes, but it's yes. so hard when like you download like 15, 20 albums at once. Like, where do I start? Right. Oh, of but course. Slowly yeah. been going through it, and yeah, I have. I, I have respect for Tom Waits for nice. sure. I'm just yeah. not like super. Oh, I got first. Um, well, more um, well-known bands, you know, uh, huge influences were, of course, like Rage Against the Machine, mm-hmm. t- seeing Tom Morello. And, then, you know, I just was a big fan of that kind of thing. And everything from the Beastie Boys to Steely Dan, you know, yeah. in all honesty. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's I couldn't say that, you know, if I were saying one musical album that, like, launched my music stuff, it was uh, Blind Faith, uh, ba- mainly just the guitar solo in the song had to cry okay. today when i was super young i learned how to car- climb up on the 
workout machine so I could reach the CD player and hit repeat. <laughs> and I basically was like seven years old and I learned how to use the repeat function just so I could record or rewind back through that and hear that guitar solo on the All Blind Faith record just over and over and over again. I, it's funny because I was just thinking now like about all this music that I love that, that shaped me. And it's funny. Mindless self-indulgence showed me that there's like no limit to what you can do. But then on the opposite spectrum, probably the second most inspiring album to me ever would be Bjork's Vespertine, mm. which is almost the complete opposite because it's an album where when they wrote it, she intentionally found like all the smallest teeniest sounds that she could like this like it just made this really minimal insane experimental electronic album with just like real tiny drum sounds and harps and little pianos and just it's very meticulous and it's like it showed me the power of making something huge with a little bit which is the complete opposite of mindless self-indulgence. Yeah. So it was like as much learning as yeah like it. learning just the the beauty of minimalism mm -hmm. and like how you can do that as well. And then over the time, I feel like I've, I'm somewhere in the middle between those two where That's I don't really want to be cool. like completely off my rocker all the time, but I also can't write like a beautiful symphony piece because it's just not what I want to do. So mm -hmm. in the middle. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. That's Rachel. Cool. Yeah. For me, like I'm, I kind of feel bad saying this, but being truthful, like Albums, it wasn't so much albums for me as it was like experiences of like certain songs helping me get through something uh, and and just like uh, inspiring or, or giving a shift to me. And then also certain artists. So like the first that I remember is Minnie Ripperton, um, who just has the most pure... A sweet and vulnerable voice to this day that I feel like it's just like there is nothing that is not real about it. It is so real. Um, and then after that, I think Amy Winehouse was the next like biggest influence on me because she was really bridging, you know, especially that time for me, like the gap in like jazz and Motown and pop music and bringing it to mainstream and like kind of making it like known and cool and everything yeah. and another individual that i just think is not trying to she was not trying to be anyone you know she was herself in every way and i really respect that and uh it's it's a hard way to go through life but it's what, something i respect most about people um and then the last is robin um for the same reason really um Tell your boyfriend, call, <laughs> call your, your girlfriend. Girl. Yeah, like just <laughs> such an individual. And then also someone, um, a couple of things about her that really just inspire me, like um, to make pop music of substance at the level that she does and of depth, I think is amazing. And to be like a woman who's really like sexy in her own way, but without trying and without like explicitly selling sex, but just like who she is is sexy and attractive because she's so herself. And so for me, she's been like so inspirational on so many levels. I really like the record that she did with uh, that. Like, I think that they might be like that pop band whose name I can't pronounce. Like the, the Roy, Swedish electronic Kassop or whatever. Yeah, they, they uh, they're like a, they're either from Sweden or Finland or something. But it's like R O Y K O S S. It's that's one of her more recent, like second yeah. to last albums she put out. Yeah, yeah. That, project is fucking awesome yeah i'm not as familiar with that one yeah there's um there's a video i think the song is called monument 
It's like this really – it's like this – I think a 10-minute piece. Yeah. It's, but it's just this really slow-moving like electronic song with like – you know, her, it's it builds so slow. It's tense as fuck. Yeah. But it's a great track. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when I listen to like her songs that are from like 2000, they're still very relevant. Like it's kind of interesting. I feel like she's been very much ahead – ahead of her time, which might be because she's like Swedish and like uh, the timeline isn't exactly matched up with music in the States and in Europe and other countries. But Yeah, and you also, they, they, there's a different culture going through sure. different things and different subject matter that is popular and right. blah, blah, right. blah, blah. But I just want to say we did a really good job of not talking about music for a second there. You you tried, you know, asking us about what we did and like we just went right hey, back to music. It's okay because <laughs> we went back to music in a positive light. For sure. I was, yeah. I, you know, sometimes my yeah. my brain goes into a dark place. Oh, right? and it and happens get, to all of us. I get oh, yeah. real like negative and jaded and grumpy and old sounding and i'm not that person <laughs> but you know we, we all have it in us oh for sure we're only human yes what do, you want? what do you want from me yeah Fair. totally agree for sure um, so yeah i mean we could probably wrap up pretty soon here we've been going cool. we've meet we've met the time limit sweet i've enjoyed this conversation yeah this has been great um funsies back to little bad good Real quick, just yeah. so we can get the promotional <laughs> stuff done. Yeah. You're releasing your next single on September 25th is what you said yep. earlier. Yep. Little Good Bad. We're releasing A Little Rain on September 25th. And That's the second be... single. Yep. And No Regrets is available now. Yep. yep. For free download. You can find that stuff on... You can find it for a free download on our website, which littlegoodbad.com. That's convenient. Yep. And that'll link you to our social media, which is at littlegoodbad. Also convenient. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they can also get it, you know, wherever people can get it, wherever they fancy listening to music, yeah. Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. There's a lyric video on the YouTube. Yeah. There's a lyric video. Our, our friends up. in Grand Rapids, Level Up Creative, did a really awesome job. And we've got a bunch of video content that's coming soon yeah. it's really cool that we're excited to share yeah and come check us out at thrival on the 29th <laughs> oh, we're yeah. playing at 4 p.m we're kicking off right. thrival is, is thrival two days or one day this year two, two days two friday days. and saturday so, yeah, so you're, what day are you playing friday the first day the, nice. the headliners logic that okay. night yeah so, yeah that'd be yeah. fun fantastic and, and then if you can't make that you can catch Little Good Bad at All Scene Music Fest on yeah. October 14th. I'll yeah. be there too. Yeah. Nice. By my lonesome with, with a MIDI controller and a projector. Just trying my best to keep you entertained. We'll That'll be watching. Be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be there. So, cool. Thank you both for coming over. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thank you. And uh, that's about it. Cool. We're good. Rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs>